0: Or do you think individuals shape their own lives? I believe that our lives are predestined. I believe that
1: God has an intention and a plan for us, and His desire would be for us to walk that out. But I also do believe that He gives us um, free will. And so we can choose if we are going to step into what it is that He has for us, if we're going to do what we want to do, or maybe some hybrid in the middle. So do I believe in destiny? I believe, yes, in predestination. But I also do believe in free will.
0: It is always so (laughs) lovely to see how our guests respond to these uh, questions. Welcome to another episode of Hey, I'm Listening. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. This week, we are diving into a series of thought-provoking topics with Paula Hollis. And we'll be talking about navigating grief, loss and disappointment, delving into the raw emotions that define our human experience. Alongside this, we'll unlock the secrets of building healthy relationships that nourish the soul and enrich our lives. We'll also uncover the path to self-awareness and self-actualization. Guiding you to show up as your most authentic and energetic self. And in the face of adversity, we'll share invaluable insights on how to rise after a trauma, igniting the sparks of resilience that resides within us all. So join us as we delve into the depths of the human spirit, forging a path towards healing and growth. Paula, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you here today with us. Thank you. I'm so
1: honored to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: So Paula Hollis is a program manager for a major health insurance company in Philadelphia that manages value-based healthcare contracts. She also has a business Hollis mastermind group that manages the value of people through her speaking, coaching, and book writing. Paula utilizes a systems approach to managing life, family, and ministry projects, while also practical wisdom and knowledge to resolve complex life And ministry problems. She lives in New Jersey with her three sons, her daughter in love. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And grandson. And she loves all things seafood. Yes. (laughs) Navigating grief, loss and disappointment is a hard but profoundly human journey that touches each of us at some point in our lives. And the biggest challenge that you mention has been navigating grief. So talk to us about grief. And can you also, as you speak, can you share your experience of grief or loss? And hopefully this isn't too heavy as we go into this. But, you know, we like to be vulnerable on Hey, I'm Listening. So, you know, talk to us about how you've navigated grief.
1: Sure, absolutely. It's quite a story. <laughs> it goes back to when I was 15. And um, I'm the youngest of seven children. However, we're two generations of children. My mom and dad had the first five children when my dad was active in the military and my mom stayed home and raised the children. And then when he retired, they had me and my brother as kind of like the race. I was raised just with him in the house because technically all the other five siblings of mine are all old enough to be my parents. And some of them do have children even older than I am. So it's an interesting dynamic. And so growing up, my brother was my everything. You know, he and I are um, children of pastors, and um, so church and and family and all that was all we knew. And so when my brother was 15, when my brother was 19 and I was 15, um, he got killed tragically on his motorcycle. Wow. It was one week before his high school graduation. So, of course, there were a lot of young people that were impacted a lot, grief counselors and, you know, all different types of things. And I really watched my parents do some things that, quite honestly, I've never really seen grieving people do. Like, you know, they were really um, ministering to others like and giving others comfort because they were falling apart, you know, over the fact that, you know, my brother, who was, you know, very handsome, not hard on the eyes, you know, real popular type of young man. And of course, I watched my parents help others to navigate their own grief when it seemed like their grief was far more, more greater. And so I observed that, you know, and so... We really didn't mourn much for my brother because unbeknownst to us or unbeknownst to us at the time and even to him, his girlfriend um, at the time, they were going to get married that Christmas in December. Yeah. And she was expecting. Mm-hmm. And so at this point now that my brother's gone, she was just really kind of like, OK, her parents didn't want her to carry the child. And they wanted her to kind of move on with her life. And of course, she's emotional about it. Like, you know, this guy was about to marry and, you know, all this. And then she didn't know, like, how my parents would um, take the concept of now this child that was basically conceived out of wedlock. You know, would my parents, like, be supportive? And so, you know, she hid it. And so my mom... Um, by providence of God, I believe, you know, just confronted her nicely about it. And we determined that, yes, you know, she is expecting. And so my parents invited her to come and stay with us because her parents basically told her she carried the child to term that, you know, she could live with them. And so my parents moved her into what was my brother's room. And so the grief that I would have felt for my brother, I had excitement now and anticipation about this unborn child. And so two days before my birthday in January, of 1986 my nephew was born named after his dad mark ii and so even though auntie p has tons of nieces and nephews i love them all yes. and i try my best to be the best auntie to all of them there just was something special about mark ii can't deny it you know i i, I don't deny it i'm really open about it and yes. so i lived you know with my nephew now as you know my everything. And so he was six years older than my oldest son. So he kind of like played that role of like a big brother to my oldest son. Yes. And, um, you know, he was always at my house, you know, auntie P can you do this? So it was great. And so the grief I would have ever really felt for his dad, I never really processed because I doted so much on him.
0: Right. So well,
1: as fate would have it in his senior year of high school, my nephew one passed away as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. His senior year of high school, he passed away and it was devastating, of course, for me, because now it's a double grief. And so I'm, I'm mourning the whole process of like, what is this senior year going to be like, you know, and mourning my nephew, mourning my brother all over again. And then quite honestly, living with fear that something was going to happen to my son in his senior mm-hmm. year. And so grief, you know, can, can grip you and cause you to walk and operate in fear. And so I was very fearful and I limited my oldest son, like, where are you going and who are you going to be with And Who's driving? And like, just any, any way that perhaps something of a tragic nature could happen to him. I was always making the suppositions. I was constantly walking in fear. And so needless to say, my oldest son, he did graduate. You know, I cried through the entire thing, you know, but. Grief took a hold on me when my nephew passed away. I went into a deep depression. My husband had to minister to me. He had to get resources and different things to come and help me because it was uh, something I had never experienced like that. You know, it was so heavy, so oppressive, um, and I literally I felt like I had no real reason to live anymore. I- and so I had someone that loved on me that didn't, you know, throw the Bible at me, you know, I know what the Bible says, you know, and so I had someone that just loved on me, cared for me, you know, tolerated the fact that I hadn't showered in days, you know, they just, they just would love on me and help me through this deep and dark place that I was in. And so that helped tremendously with navigating grief for me. And so I did, I was able to get through that. And so I'm like, okay, I've learned some good lessons as it relates to grief, but it continues because of my four brothers. Um, Of course, the one passed when I was 15, but my three other brothers, they've all passed away. Wow. So I I now have four brother angels and my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, they passed away within 24 hours of each other. That was a tragic time of me supporting my husband during that time.
0: Wow. Wow! And then, I mean, now, so do you get to the point where you're like, okay, God, like, give me the key to yeah. this, this family thing that is mm-hmm. here, give yeah. me the key so we can come yeah. out of this, we can come Absolutely. out of this side and what has Absolutely. the answer. <laughs> and that leads
1: exactly to what happened because for, what, the other thing was that I have four nephews that passed away as well. Two of them were actually murdered. And I remember it was August of 2021. It was my 30th wedding anniversary and my husband and I went away. Of course, it was a lot of COVID activity, so we didn't go that far, but we did have a beach experience and we were riding home <clears throat> from our experience and I love water. Like Whenever I'm in nature, it just speaks to me and yes. you know, I can hear and feel so much. And so we're crossing this really large bridge down in Maryland and I really heard you know, God speak to me and say, Paula, I'm going to use your grief stories to help others to navigate grief. Yes. And so I was like, okay. And I started like rehearsing, you know, the different grief stories I've had. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh, and yeah, that oh, oh yeah. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm committed to that. And so I have this faith journal where I will write, you know, the date, yes. um, what God said. The data came to pass and how it manifested. Yes. And so when we got home from the trip, I decided, okay, God said He's going to use my grief stories. You know, and I put it in my book and closed the book and went on about my life. And so about three weeks after that, my my husband's the youngest of 11, and his oldest brother's wife, um, our matriarch sister in love, he passed away. Wow. And so I was like, oh, wow, like, wow, like within that same month, I had a grief story like, okay, God, all right. But I'm still focusing on the historical ones.
0: Yes. Oddly,
1: oddly enough, come November of 2021, um, my sister, I got, I woke up on a Monday morning and I got a call that my oldest sister, I have two sisters, my oldest sister had been found unresponsive and they were like, Auntie P, can you please come to the hospital? I'm like, of course. And so I go to the hospital. My sister never gained consciousness. And we watched for 10 days as she went through different uh, battery of neurological testing. And where ultimately we had to remove her from the life support because there was not sustainable life. Meanwhile, um, my husband was home with me because about two weeks prior to that phone call, he had ruptured his Achilles. And um, so he couldn't work. My husband was a letter carrier. And so he's home. I'm caring for him. I'm working from home because of COVID and all. And so he's like, babe, I'm gonna come to the hospital with you. I was like, honey, like you're hardly mobile. I don't really
0: need you. Like you can hardly
1: do anything. He's like, no, no, I wanna support you. I wanna support you. And literally every day of those 10 days, my husband was right there at the hospital with me. And so my sister transitioned on November the 18th of 2021. And my husband um, Was going, was set to retire at the end of that year. Um, and so they had basically said, You're finished work because by the time you recover from the Achilles, it'd already be, you know, the end of the year. So he's now home and I'm getting used to navigating, you know, having him home and kind of yes. in the way. <laughs> yes, yes. And all of that good stuff. And so we are preparing for Thanksgiving. It's just like, okay, I'm trying to help my sister. She had six sisters' daughters. She had six daughters trying to help them with planning the service. But yet I'm like, okay, I need to cook something for Thanksgiving it's going to be small. It's not going to be a lot. And so um, I'm preparing and getting things squared away. And my husband wanted a particular food item. And I'm like, are you kidding? It's a day for Thanksgiving. Like, can't we do without that? You know? And he's just like, no. He's like, I really, really want that. Of course, it was the turkey because the kids and I had decided we didn't want turkey. Like, right. we're <laughs> and my husband being the traditionalist was like, how are we going to have Thanksgiving without turkey? So he's like, please, can you just go to the market? I said, babe, do you realize it's a day before Thanksgiving? How am I going to find a turkey, the day before Thanksgiving that's going to be ready, you know, for us to use? He's like, I'm just going to pray you, you're going to get great favor. So sure enough, I um, went to the market, found great favor. But as I was coming out of the market to get in my car and drive home, my daughter-in-law called me and said, you know, Mama P, Poppy's unresponsive. I was like, wait, 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 what do you mean? Poppy's unresponsive. He was just sitting on the sofa. You mean your husband? Yeah, my husband. (laughs) She's like- Unresponsive? Unresponsive. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, he was sitting there, like you told him to wait until you got home and not to try to clean up the kitchen or anything like that. And he asked me for a bottle of water. I went to get him a bottle of water. And as I was walking from the kitchen into the family room, he said he clutched his chest and he fell over and his eyes rolled back in his head and he hasn't moved and he's not responding to anything that I'm
0: saying like you're kidding me like I can't my heart my mind I I can't you you can't see my face but I'm just like what like that's how I feel like I can't like I
1: literally cannot what is happening? So of course you can get to my house, it's like Grand Central Station. I have first responders everywhere. And I see them working so feverishly on my husband and my family room. he's lying on the floor and he's not moving. He's not responding. Questions are being shot at me from every different angle, repeated questions, you know, as the first responders do to make sure you're getting consistent answers. All of that is happening. But meanwhile, I'm like, well, I felt, I felt like I was in slow motion. Like, what is what is happening here? And so my youngest son, he came home from school because of course the day before Thanksgiving is usually a half day. So he comes home early and he's like, mom, I'm like, I know, you know, I know, I know. And so I'm trying to keep him calm, trying to keep my daughter in love, you know, calm. Cause of course she was the one, you know, that first discovered my husband and everything. And so I'm like, God, I need your strength and grace. And so I looked at my youngest and I said, Hey, you know, is this how it was, you know, when, I took sick because I had COVID my entire household, except for my two sons had had COVID. And I had COVID so badly. I was the first to get it and the last to recover. Um, I couldn't sleep. I hadn't slept for maybe four or five days. And I ended up my body trying to, um, I guess, reset itself. I had a seizure and I stopped breathing. Yes. And the early part of COVID, this was April of 2020. And literally I passed out and the same floor where these paramedics are now trying to resuscitate my husband is the same floor that I laid on. And my husband was the one that resuscitated. Me. So there's an exchange. There's an exchange crazy as it is crazy as it sounds. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I said to my son, I said, is this how the paramedics were working? You know, when, when I collapsed and I'll never forget the look on his face. I will never forget it. As long as God gives me breath. He just looked at me and he put his head down. And he could hardly bear, bear to bring it back up again. And he said to me, he's like, no, mom. He said, this is much more intense. He said, I'm really concerned for dad. Hmm. And I'm like, oh my God. And so I said to the lead paramedic, I said, can you please tell me, you know, what my husband's status is? She's like, ma'am, he's very great. I said, I understand that. I said, is my husband breathing? is he alive? Can you just give me some details? And of course, they're not supposed to give you any of that. And I said, listen, I know you're not supposed to tell me. I said, this is the father of my children. I've been married to him for the last 30 years. I just need to know, yeah. is he breathing or not? And so she said, Mrs. Hollis, he's not breathing. She yeah. was like, but we're doing everything that we can. And we're going to get him to the hospital now. And so literally they took him out with the mechanical you know, pump, like still yeah. going, trying to you know, revive his heart. And so, of course, I have a million different things running through my mind. Like, oh, my God, is he going to be like my sister? Am I going to have this whole, you know, like, I don't know what, you know, but the irony in all of it, and this is where God and I think the divine providence comes in. And even that legacy comes in, just getting back to that. When we got to the hospital, they finally called me back. And um, to understand, I have to take you back a little bit. It's a lot to the story, but I have to take you back a tiny bit. Because at the moment that my sister passed away, on November the 18th, which is also the same day that one of my brothers passed away several years prior. But the moment we took my sister off of life support, my phone rang. It's like, oh my God, who's calling me now? And it was this for my youngest son indicating that he had been injured in gym class and he actually needed to go to the emergency room. And I'm like, I'm over in Pennsylvania. I live in New Jersey. And I'm like, there's no way I can leave my sister's side and her kids and so I called my oldest son and I said, hey, listen, I need you to be junior dad in New Jersey while your dad and I are being yes. sisters and, and parents over here in Pennsylvania. I said, just keep yes. me posted, you know, whatever. And So sure enough, when I got home that night, I told my kids my sister had passed away and I checked on my my youngest who the emergency room, out of an amount of caution, had put him on crutches and had booted him and oh, yes. he just looked like he was in dire situation. And so he's all concerned because he's a thespian and his birthday was that uh, Sunday. He was supposed to be having a bowling party and he was supposed to be actually marching in the Thanksgiving day parade the next week. Yes. And so he's like, how can I march in a parade? You know, and I said, well, let's see if we can find an orthopedic doctor. So sure enough, we started this whole process to start an orthopedic, find an orthopedic doctor on that Friday. And I said, why don't you just stay home from school? He's like, no, mom, I can't stay home from school. I have a big project. I need to be at school for such and such a period. I'm like, son. Super so important. You know? right. and he's just like, Well, mom, I have a commitment, and dad, you know, always told us to honor our commitments and everything. I said, Okay, let's see if we can work this out. So, sure enough, we found an orthopod that was able to service my son. And he said, uh, Yeah, I can see you, whatever. So, I dropped my son off, and it was only an hour and a half or so that he needed to be at school. And so, I'm like, I can't go all the way back home. It doesn't make sense to circle back. So, I decided I'm going to get him a massage. It's a stressful moment. <laughs> and so I decided. I decided to go get a massage. I walk into the masseuse and a place I've never been before. And the, the gentleman says, um, "Hi, Paula. I'm Kevin. I'm your masseuse." And I started laughing because Kevin is the name of my brother that right. had passed away on November 18th years prior. Right. And to know my brother Kevin, he was the one that always wanted his baby sis to relax. He's like, you know, you're such a go-getter. You work so hard. You're always looking out for everyone else. What are you doing for yourself? When? How how are you relaxing? What are you doing? And so I'm like, wow, God, I have a masseuse named Kevin. I think you're with me, right? And so I get my son, got my massage. It was wonderful. Pick up my son. I tell him about the experience with Kevin. He was like, wow, mom, that's interesting. I'm like, Yeah. And so we go to the orthopedic doctor, the orthopedic doctor checks him out. Everything's fine. You know, he was like, he can march if your mom wants, if your mom's fine with you being in the parade, you're fine. I'll clear you. So we were like, okay, this is great. So then we go to check out and I said, Hey, listen, I'm really looking for the receptionist who was helping me. I said, I think her name was Karen. Said she was so helpful because she called around to like so many different offices. She got us in. I said, I really want to just personally thank her because it was amazing, you know, like what she did. And the young lady said, oh, I'm sorry. She's already gone for the day. She was like, but, you know, you know, we all try to help here and everything. I said, well, hey, I'm going to thank you. And you pass the thank you on, on on my behalf. And she's like, oh, certainly. So what is your name? And she says, oh, my name is Linda. And so my son and I looked at each other because my sister's name is is Linda.
0: Hmm. And I'm like, OK, oh,
1: so we're noticing
0: we're noticing exchange, the exchange, the exchange and yes. the, exchange, the so exchange situations. OK, yes. so yes. yes, there's a trend.
1: There's a trend happening. I'm like, oh, to know my sister, Linda, she was very bubbly. She could have been like a receptionist. She was always the life of the party yes. and everything. And so my son and I are like, let's just hurry home because things happen in threes. Right. Let's just get home. So we get home. And that was that Friday. So now I'm getting Fast forwarding now to the Wednesday, we're at the ER. I'm waiting for them to come and give me a status on my husband. And so they finally come and they say, oh, Mrs. Hollis, please follow us. And you know, when they take you to the conference room yeah. and they don't take you to a bedside, but yeah. says something, right? And so... I'm listening to the ER physician and he's telling me, I hear the words, you know, we we, we did all we could. I hear the words, I hear the words, but it's kind of like, womp, womp. Yeah. You know, it's like, a, yeah. I hear it, I see his mouth moving, but I'm just kind of like, is this really happening? Yeah. And so my eyes begin to focus in on his jacket. And you know how all physicians have their names inscribed in their jacket. And I look and here it is, his name, his first name was Mark. Doesn't matter what his last name is, because I'm like, wait a minute, Mark? That was my brother's name. Wow. Mark. I was like, oh my God. Like really God. Like you sent me a Kevin to relax. (laughs) You sent me a Linda. And now in the most difficult moment, they're telling me my husband has passed away. You took me back to my childhood rock. Mm. To my source, the person who loved me the most. You know, outside of my parents as a child, the one I would always lean on, the one I would always depend
0: on, you sent me Mark. I'm like, okay, wow. You're with me. That sends uh, chills down my my (laughs) arms, my legs, my back for many reasons because there's new awareness that has come. So the source of love is always in the room. Yes, always, always in the room. The most difficult of moments, the source is always in the room. room. Now, you were able to know the source is always in the room by the name, but If what you're saying is there's an exchange and the source is always in the room, so will the source show up in a way that's meaningful for everyone? Yes, he will to everyone. And I'll show you what he did. I'll show
1: you what he did. So we go into the room. I go into the room. My children hadn't gotten there yet. I go into the room. I'm looking at my husband. He looks so peaceful. It was amazing how peaceful my husband looked. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, wow. So my kids started coming in, they had gotten there. And so we're standing there, we're all looking at my husband, you know, we have these moments of crying and we're just trying to get ourselves together. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like, here I am, you know, I've spent my entire life, I married my husband right out of undergrad. I've never lived as an independent adult, you know? And now here I am, this widow with these three sons and, and that are looking at me like, what am I going to do? And I tell you, I tell you, Joan, in that moment, I was taken back to my husband in a situation when my oldest son was around six years old. Yeah. And My husband was off from work that day. And it, this, this speaks to the power of what we think are just sort of silly moments or things that don't have significance. Yes. This speaks to the power of significance of the words we say and the moments we take. Yes. And so, my son was around six years old. My husband was off from work that day, and he said, "Hey, when he comes home from school, we need to have the talk with him." Yes. Now, as a boy, mom, when you hear the talk, yeah, you're thinking stuff about body changes <laughs> and you know all of that, you know. And yeah, I'm like. like- I'm like, he's six. I was like, you really want to have that talk with him now? Now, you know, he, he's only six, you know? And my husband's like, no, this is a necessary talk. We must have it with him now and everything will be fine. So being a boy, I just kind of had to trust, you know, what my husband was saying. And so my son comes home from school, you know, my, my husband interacts with him about how his day was. And he's like, listen, I have something that's very important that you and I need to talk about. And so my son's like, okay, dad, you know, so he sits down. And so my husband starts, he says, Hey, listen, it's like, you know, um, I'm honored to be your dad. There are so many men in the world that, you know, could have been chosen to be your dad. And I am so honored that I am the one. And he's like, but let me tell you, I've never been a dad before Mm. and you've never been a son before.
0: Mm -hmm. He's
1: like, so both of us are doing something that we've never done. Right. like, And so as a result, some things we're going to do really, really well. Yes. And then other things we're just going to mess up Yeah, because we we really don't know what we're doing. Right. (laughs) Right. And he was like, but if we are open and honest and transparent with each other the whole time, we don't keep secrets and we share everything and we talk about everything together. He's like, son, there's absolutely nothing that we can't do together. Right. He was like, so I'm committed to you. He was like, can you be committed to me? And my son was like, yeah, dad. Like it was like high five, you know, like it was just a beautiful moment. And I'm just sitting there like, with like holding my chest, like, wow, like that was so beautiful. And then my husband said, okay, well, I love you, son. They hugged each other. And that was the end of the talk. Yes. And so I I looked at my husband, I said, that's it. That's the whole talk. I mean, Grant, Don't get me wrong. That was beautiful. But like, that's the whole talk. And he was just like, yeah, he's like, what were you thinking? I was like, oh I don't I don't wanna say what I was
0: <laughs> I don't wanna say what I was thinking he was just like oh you were thinking i that. I'm what, like yeah yeah Can I just say that every parent should sit down with their child and have that conversation? Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean yeah, I it should be a conversation. I've never heard that conversation before. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that when you make all the mistakes, you eventually sit down with your teenagers or the ones who are in the early 20s right. or something. And you you kind of look back on life and you yeah. say, you know, well, this was our first time doing that. And, right, right. you know, we wish we could have done it better. But here he is, you know, and this is what I mean about the conversation I've been having with you since the beginning. It's, it's about creating a legacy and legacy, legacy. is present and forward, right? Yes, Not Absolutely. It's present and forward. I love the fact that you and your husband have that kind of woven into your tapestry to be thinking about, you know, the foresight of seeing generations to come and even just being able to sit down and have a conversation like this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was beautiful. And so I just was, you know, I thought it was wonderful and it was very endearing. And so when my second son was born and now he's Around six, and there's eight years between them. So now my oldest son is like 14, and we had already had the real other talk at that point because <laughs> he's 14. <laughs> and so I remember my husband said, "Okay, now it's time for us to have the talk with you know Montgomery." It was my second son, and so I'm like, "Okay, that was real cute, like all these years ago." But how you going? You know, to myself, I wouldn't say that to my husband at all. But in my own mind, I'm like, "Oh, how you going to repeat this?" So sure enough, my husband started with my second son. He said, "Hey, listen, you know." You've never been, I'm honored to be your dad. You know, the yeah, whole language, yeah. you know, you've never been a son before, Yeah. you know, and I've never been a dad to two sons. I've never had two sons okay. before. Yeah. You know, so he was like, oh, okay. And then he went to my oldest son. You've never been big brother. Yeah. And so he gave everybody their role and identity. Yeah. And, same thing, and it, it was beautiful. And so yeah. watch the three of them. They did a big bear hug afterwards. And it was lovely. I'm like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. And so then when my third son came along, five years later, you know, now, you know, my bridge son is like around 11 or so. My oldest son is like, you know, 18, 19. So he truly is junior dad. Yes. And so my husband did the same thing, starting with my youngest, going to my, what most would say middle child, but we labeled him or called him our bridge son. Yes. So he could have the identity as a bridge between his brothers. Yes. And then my oldest son was junior dad. And so it was just so beautiful, but like, We never, ever talked about that language, talked about that conversation ever again. It was just something we had at one time. So I'm standing here now looking at my husband, looking at these three sons. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, this is someplace I've never been. And it belched up in me like, oh, my God. Um, So I looked at my sons and I said, hey, guys, listen, I've never I've been married to your dad since I was 21 years old. You know, I don't know anything else. I've never been an independent adult. I've never been a widow. Yes. And you've never lived a single day without, without your dad. dad in your lives. And one by one, Joan, it was so beautiful. My boys started chiming in. Yeah, we're doing something we've never done. We're going to get some things right. And another one, yep, we're going to mess some things up. It's like they remember.
0: Right, right.
1: When I tell you our eyes could not
0: be dry. Yes, yes. It's powerful. It was so powerful. Absolutely powerful so powerful yes. So we should never
1: ever minimize conversations yes interactions I mean if nothing else one of the biggest legacies I'm carrying forward of my husband is the gift of presence because that's absolutely what he constantly gave when he was with you he was a hundred percent with you I'm a multitasker so you might get like 60 to 75 percent of me Cause I'm doing other things, but my husband's like, "No, babe, we're gonna focus on this." Like, I'm like, "I can't do this single thread and stuff." Yeah, you can. I'm like, "No, I can't." He'd be like, "Come on, come sit down next to me. We're gonna watch the news." I'm like, "Okay, we're just gonna watch the news. Like, we're not gonna do anything else. Like, we're just gonna sit here and watch." Yeah, we're just gonna be present. Yeah, we're just gonna be present with each other and watch the news. So then I would just would be itchy. I would be all uncomfortable and fidgety, and he would say, "Here, babe, come here. Give me your hand. Give me your hand." So he'd hold my hand. He was like, "Look." we're doing two things we're watching tv and
0: we're holding yes. on, yes. <laughs> I love it i mean the the simplicity and yet the complexity and the elegance with which he lived um it must make a difference in the grieving process i mean it there's does. such there's such beauty that is here and yes. you sense the love and, you know, the presence, you yes. sense the presence that is here. Absolutely um, just powerful to yeah. reflect on this experience and how you have been able to maneuver it. So I have a question to ask. Yes. If there is a exchange and, you know, for the folks who might not be either in a place of having noticed or they may not be in that place you know some people can go to the place of depth and they can they can see it you know after analyzing it and then some people can catch it in the glimpses of the moments that happen but how would you instruct people to notice that the source is here now like the yeah Change has already taken place. And even in the in the depths of your grief, you can you can notice that the source is here now. How how do you help them to practically apply that?
1: Yeah, I think um one way to do that is being intentional. Mm. Um, just like at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about setting intentions. Mm. I think that's important. You know, like if we have the intention to be able to always see the value in things, we'll see it. And so um, that's what ended up happening. The first book that I ever wrote, I wrote as a memoir to my 30-year relationship with my husband, and it's entitled Intentional Intimacy. Mm. And intimacy is all about into me see. It's about being vulnerable. It's about being open. And so when we set ourselves up and have intentionality to be like, you know, no, I am I am open. I'm open to be able to see things with an open, open lens. I'm not going to be closed in my perspective. Yes, it can open you up sometimes for some hurt, but that's part of the process. That's part of the process, part part of the
0: journey, right? Part of the
1: journey. And so, but because the the benefits far outweigh, you know, the the non-benefits. And so I think it's about setting your intentions and being open and building transparent
0: and authentic relationships with others. That's the key. I love it. I love it. So I'd like to put this to our audience who is listening. You've heard a powerful story. You've heard the going ins and the coming out of those stories and the ways in which they connect together. And the question is, are you able to connect the dots in the way that Paula has connected the dots and then see that the source, the source of love is present right here right now. Right. So even in the depths of your grief, even in the depths of the adversity that you may be experiencing, what is here right now that you're not seeing? And can you just in this moment set an intention to see Right. So the intention can be, I am open. I am willing. I am ready to see what is present and here right now that I'm not yet seeing. As simple as that, you set the intention and you Mm -hmm. just, you just know and you willingly accept that it is already so. And then you just go on with your day. And then notice as as you go on with your day, those memories are sparked. Somebody comes in, like with a name like Mark, or somebody texts (laughs) you something, or a video shows you something. Just be willing and ready and open to what comes.
1: It's amazing. It's my sister and I have this constant saying like, there's no way I could have made this up. Like it's it's just it's happening. In my best brain power i could not have scripted or created something like this it just it's it's divine it's beyond me it's above me and you know i think that's the key because one of the things i think and i've said this often to people is that it's very important part of legacy as we're talking about legacy is reviewing in relationships and let's just let's just make sure we are clear that Grieving is not just limited to the loss of a physical person. You know, we grieve other things. We, we grieve jobs, we grieve friendships, you know, we grieve transitions, you know, expectations, so many of those other things. But I think what the key is with all of the grieving is to really sit and be introspective with yourself and determine what is the lesson learned? I'm a project manager by trade. And so one of the things we do at the end of every project is we assess what are the lessons learned from this project? What went well? What could have gone better? And how do we take that and move it path forward? And so as a result, we need to do that in our relationships. Like, okay, what were the lessons that I learned from my husband? Why was he in my life? Of all the millions of people that could have been in my life, why him? Yes. What did I need to glean from him? My parents, like I always got teased as a child because my parents were older. My mom was 41 and my dad was 50 when I was born. So I, co- I constantly got bullied by kids. You know, your parents abandoned you. Those are your grandparents. No. <laughs> How cruel.
0: Man, I but can't explain
1: yeah, that to somebody. But <gasps> like, I had to really assess, like, instead of me being angry yes. about the fact that I don't have those young, cool, hip parents. Yes. Well, why was I given the more mature Oh, yes. What is the reason for that? What are the lessons that I need to glean and learn from that? Instead of looking at it, let me reframe it. Instead of it being something that's also bad,
0: what is the good in it? Absolutely. What I Absolutely. We're yeah. going to our next segment, which is we're talking about self-awareness and actualization. And, and Paula, I'm going to have to have you come back because I promised our audience we were going to cover five particular topics. We've hey. covered We've covered one and we're going into number two.